Well, it's great to have you here this morning, and it's great to be worshiping with you. Man, we're in a series called Across the Ages, Across the Ages, meaning from the time of Christ until today, several thousand years, there's been some basics of what the church needs to be about for the church to be on fire. And God's been super clear about what that is, and so we've been walking through that in 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 3, and we've got two more weeks here, uh, two kind of one-offs, different passages, but fitting into the same topic of what does it mean to have a church on fire, and uh, what does it mean to be doing this thing that is true, timeless, across the ages, right? You look at the songs that we're choosing over this period of uh, series here that we're going through, and some of these songs are in the last 5 to 10, and some of them are in the last 20 to 30, and some of them are like 500 years ago when we're singing some of the hymns. And man, I'm just telling you, across the ages, there is a timeless sense of worship as we make much of our God and we follow after him as he calls out in his scripture. And all of God's people said... That's what we're headed for. And so today we're looking at, man, what does it mean to be saved? Saved with a purpose, all right? That's what we're diving into. If we don't understand this, it's really hard to be a church on fire. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And uh, first point, grasp your desperate spiritual need. It's kind of hard to talk about salvation if you're like, I really don't need to be saved. Or saved from what? What are you talking about? And man, grasp your desperate spiritual need. This is true for all of us. This is true for how many of us? All of us are in this boat. When we are born, what we're walking through, the need we have from little ones growing up is the need, desperate need for a Savior. And so here we go. He starts out. Ephesians 2, verse 1, Paul is writing this to the church at Ephesus, and he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following in the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And we'll just hold there. He says, For you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And... Uh, He's not uh, just talking to the church at Ephesus here. He ends up saying a little bit later, this is true for all mankind. And he's like, you need to understand where you're at, church, and you need to understand what you're walking through and what you've come from. He's like, just so we're clear here, you were, and i got to be honest, I've said this several times over, I don't like this word very much, um, dead. It's a word that brings with it a lot of harshness. And uh, it brings with it, for many, a lot of pain. And uh, it's a very real, very powerful, very specific word. It's a word that brings with it a sense of lifelessness, unresponsive, not understanding it all, not getting it all. There's a veil over your soul, if you want to use the Second Corinthians 3 terminology, There's a veil over the soul. We do not understand. We do not seek after God, if you want to use the Romans 3.10 statement, right? We do not understand. We don't seek after God. In fact, we are hostile towards God, Romans 8.7. That's what it looks like to be born into this world as a human being and not yet have found Jesus Christ. 
I take a stand for self. I'm all about me. And uh, really, right? We, we know that happens. We've got little ones, right? And uh, their first tears are not tears for you and how hard it is for you as a parent. Right? You know that, right? Their first tears are all about themselves. They're like, hey, I have some things to be taken care of here, right? And from that little moment of complete selfishness, self-awareness, and that's it, we kind of grow up. And in fact, we try to teach in some level of getting aware of others along the way. And uh, man, I'm just telling you, without Christ, there is zero awareness of God Almighty. In fact, no care of Him. Scripture talks about being hostile towards God, taking a stand against God, not seeking after God. That's where we stand before Christ. Dead. Spiritual lifelessness. And, uh, but it's an interesting kind of dead because it says, for you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And uh, so if there was ever a biblical term, the walking dead would be it, right? And uh, really, that's what an unsaved individual is, is truly walking in their own spiritual lifelessness, not getting at all who God is, and the steps they take are trespasses and sins. Trespasses, you know what, right? No trespassing, right? Don't cross this boundary. So trespasses, we're somehow wondering where we shouldn't be, and then sins, and doing the things we shouldn't be doing, Right? Trespasses and sins, we're finding ourselves in places and activities we have no business being, and yet because we're all about self, that is exactly where we chose to walk. And uh, he says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Please note it's all past tense. Everybody say it's past tense. So he's talking to believers here, and he's like, do not forget your history, where you came from. And so if you've trusted in Christ, this is true of your past, right? But it is not true of your present and future. You are not dead if you're trusting in Christ, right? And if you haven't come to trust Christ as Savior, then this is true even today for you. And so let these words settle, whether it's looking backward at your life or even into your present. This is where you stand without Jesus. It says, following the course of this world. Following the course of this world, like you do the things the world does, you know, what looks good, what feels good, what shows you off, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and uh, doing much of what the world goes after, our selfishness gets tweaked by it and enjoys the trip in it, and we go after the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and uh, that is Satan. Everybody say, that's Satan. The prince of the power of the air, following him. Are you getting that? Let that settle. There is a choice. You are following Christ or you are not. And if you are not, then you are, whether directly or indirectly, you are following Satan, the prince of the power of the air. You are going after what he's going after. His battle cry was, I will make much of myself. I will be like the Most High. And so it says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Did you know that? That Satan is at work in those who are willing to sin and make it all about self. Who aren't about Christ, Satan is working in them. 
you're like, that seems a little bit maybe over the top. Maybe for some that's true, but is that really true for all? That's what it says here. Every single one of them, that there's a level of Satan whispering into the soul, can you imagine how good that'll feel for you? This is so about you. Isn't that what it should be? And, and yes, the spirit in this world of Satan himself whispering into the soul. It is amazing how Satan so often tries to mirror and mimic God Almighty. And while the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment, Satan actually calls you to it and then actually shames you for being in it, right? And, but still the Spirit at work in you. And, uh, man, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, know this, there is one pressing on your soul, and that one is Satan himself, the prince of the power of the air. And uh, time to find a Savior. And all of God's people said... Right. It says here, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Talking here about the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived. Hey man, we all had friends that were kind of walking according to the world and doing their own thing. And we were kind of hanging with them. And are your choices of friends still the ones who are all about themselves and even the whisper from Satan himself? Or are you starting to hang with and get who is hanging with Christ? And he's like, just so we're clear, you used to hang with the sons of disobedience. You used to live out your passions of the flesh, those things that panged and banged on your soul, right? The flesh is that thing within us that just always wants sin, right? And there, you have that built in. Doesn't that stink? Like built into us is this part that's just like, hey, dude, you should so make it all about you right now. Right? And we literally have to learn to live with and deal with and even renounce that along the way. Flesh in us, imagine now that without the Holy Spirit, without Christ Almighty, without life, without perspective, hostile towards God. Of course you're going to make selfish decisions. Of course worldly decisions. And he's like, hey, just so we're clear, we were living according to the passions of our flesh with those sons of disobedience and we were carrying out the desires of of the body and mind. We were doing what we wanted to do. And, uh, and we lived it all for self. What looks good, what feels good, what shows me off. That's our history. It says, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were by nature the children of wrath. The children of what? And that word means God rightly leaning against us because of our decisions. God opposes the proud. And it means that God literally had the right to take a stand against us. And the one thing that we were rightly due for all of our action or lack of action was his wrath. Children of wrath, we were sitting in a position where the next step for us was a selfish step, no matter what it was. And some of you are like, I know people who don't trust Christ. And I'm just telling you, they, they actually can be some nice people, man. Lighten up, right? And just so we're clear, I'm going to just say this real quickly, but we are all human beings made in the image of God, image of God. So picture that kind of written on a chalkboard, image of God, right? And then sin comes in 
and it smears across that. Picture what that would look like on a chalkboard with it kind of partly written out, partly smeared through. That's all of us. And we are in this spot of, yes, image of God in us, and so there's good moments, but yes, sin in us, selfishness in us, standing against God. And that's where we are in the midst of our walk with him, children of wrath, with a smeared at best image of God, like the rest of mankind in dire need of a Savior. And, uh, you know, I said this before, I'm not a fan of the word um, dead. And uh, I've been through enough heartache in our own family and been through a lot of heartache with many in this body. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, walking through those hurtful times of losing a loved one is crushing Words like dead and, and uh, cemetery, and uh, those are just words, like I've said before, they're not allowed in our home uh, with my parents, and um, they're just, it's too much harshness. harshness. My, uh, my sister passed away when she was 20, I was 23, and, and uh, it was a tough, tough time, tough for my family. She was a Moody student. She was looking to graduate from Moody and go into ministry and ended up having a, an aneurysm and passing away. And uh, very sudden, I'm telling you, the word death is painful. And to be at that funeral, in that moment of recognition, right? The hurt that's going on, where you're like longing for this world to make a declaration that this thing is not good. Like, I'm just telling you, you wish for bad weather on those days, because it makes a statement this is horrible. This hurts. The loss is massive. And, and we need to grasp that is so true of death. It is horrible. It is a pain. It is a major loss. That is true. It is a punishment that comes with the sin that we as human beings have ushered into this world. And uh, and so we're tasting of it. But hear me on the one hand that it is a punishment. On the other hand, there is an element of blessing because it does bring to an end this broken world. Praise be to God. And, and God's got a hand in it. And he knows what he's doing with it. And uh, hear me. Paul used that word for our spiritual condition. Dead calling for a funeral, lifeless, that's it. We stand against him, and we're in dire need. Simple question. Do you grasp how severe your history was? Do you grasp how absolutely against God you were standing and maybe you haven't even trusted in Christ today. Do you grasp that right here in this room right now, then you are standing dead before God? Man, if we don't grasp this first three verses, the next verses don't really ring true as much as they should. So let it settle. No spiritual life. None. Okay. Number two. 
receive. Receive God's gift of spiritual life. Receive God's spiritual gift of life. Receive God's spiritual gift of life. And verse 4 starts out with two of the greatest words in the gospel message. Verse 4 starts out, but God. Like, hear me now, we got to get a running start on this. We go back to chapter, or verse 3, and it says, And we were by nature children of wrath. We were doing whatever we wanted. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was hopelessness like the whole of mankind. But God. I'm telling you, man, that is an anchor for the gospel. Here's what it does not say. We were dead, but we did something. It doesn't say, everybody say it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says we were dead, but God, our hope is in him and him alone. It says, but God being rich in mercy. Man, I'm telling you, his pockets are spilling out with it. His bank accounts are pouring over with it. He has so much, he's just lavishing it out on the world. He is rich with mercy. Mercy, meaning he holds back the punishment due us. Man, we've got to grasp this. It is not, I was dead, but then I got good enough. And so, like that's not it. It's I was dead, but God lavishing on the mercy, holding back what I deserve. Holding back the punishment because of the great love with which he loved us, don't kid yourself, mercy is always directly connected to love. Love and mercy go together. If you're like, I'm not really a mercy person, uh, dude, check your love, right? And uh, really, if you're like, I'm a truth person, yeah, be careful with that. I understand that. I get the passion for right, and uh, I share a lot of that. Let's just be real clear. If you are a truth person, make sure that God is love. And all of God's people said, and make sure you know that God well. And make sure you have a love teeming in your soul. Mercy is an earmark of our God. And it stems from his love. It says, but God, rich in mercy because of the love, great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Let's just break that down. Even when we were dead. There's that word again. Lifeless, hostile, incapable. Absolutely no breath of spiritual hope in us. God came in and it says made us alive. Are you getting that? This is the CPR statement, right? We were dead. We have nothing. And God comes in and he begins to do a spiritual CPR, his breath into your soul, making you alive. Moving from death to life is a work of God. Moving from lifeless and unresponsive to breathing and worshiping is a work of God. We were dead, but he made us alive. That is God's hope for us, man. We were dead. We had nothing. And God 
breathed in life. Praise be to God. Amen. This is huge. As we start to grasp that he made us alive, and then please note it says, together with Christ. Nothing without Jesus Christ. Nothing without Jesus Christ. Through the cross, we have salvation. Through Christ and his work, he died on the cross and he rose again. Him for me. He's paying a payment I could never pay. He's covering my sin. And as he now breathes in life to my soul, I respond with worship and belief and trust that is massive as God is glorified. We were dead in our trespasses and he made us alive together with Christ. Man, let that theology settle. We were dead. He made us alive. The work is his, not ours. That is huge. It says, by grace you have been saved. And we're going to see that phrase pop up again, so let's just evaluate it for a second. By grace you have been saved. You know, we get used to quoting that. If you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard that verse quoted out. In fact, we see it again in verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. And just so you know, the have been on that, super important, okay? And so here's what's going on. In the original language, there's actually a form of the verb there that says it happened in the past and it's continuing on today and forever, it's in this perfect tense form, but it's in the participial. It's ongoing. There's a lot of words for you. It's just ongoing. Happened in the past and continuing on. Have been saved. Still am saved and will be saved for eternity. There is a guarantee lockdown of the hope that we get in him. We have been saved. And all of God's people said, Man, hear me, we have been saved. We have been brought from death, amen, unto life. We have hope because of him. That's where we are. For by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He Put us in the spot that Christ is. We have a position with Christ we do not deserve. He is honoring in a way he doesn't need to honor. He is raising us up and seating us with Christ in the heavenly places. Did you know that? That you literally have a spot reserved with Christ if you are saved. Huge. It says, so that... Purpose statement, don't ever miss the so that's in scripture, all right? Purpose statement, why is he doing it? In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. He is not lifting us up into the heavenlies and placing us into a position with Christ so that he can show off how awesome we are. Everybody say, not that. It is so not about our glory. It is just not about us. As he does a work in us, it is all about him. And it is showing him off. It says, so that in the ages to come, 
so that in the ages to come, these coming ages, notice it's plural. It doesn't say that in the coming age, singular. That would probably then refer to just eternity. But here it says ages, plural, like time after time after time, generation after generation after generation. For all of eternity, the greatness of Christ put on display as dead men are now walking alive. As people who stood against God are now inclined towards him, breathing worship out of their very mouths, longing to hear more from God and grow with him. And the angels look on and they're dumbfounded. How did that walking dead all of a sudden come to life? Christ, you are awesome! Like that's what's going on, man. Putting him on full display. The angels celebrating, those of us even in awe as we see people around us coming to Christ and trusting in him and each generation, each age being able to put the immeasurable riches of the grace of God on display. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith, by grace, meaning we did not deserve it. You have been saved. He pulled you up out of lifelessness that was heading for hell for eternity. He pulled you up, for by grace you have been saved. He has breathed in life, and there is now a response to the greatness of God. There is a worship of God Almighty. There is a hoping and a longing. There is a being able to bask in his glory. The veil is torn off and the glory of the Holy Spirit is pouring on and you are literally being changed one degree at a time to look more and more like him. God is doing a work in your soul all for his glory. Huge deal as we see your life changed and my life changed. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. And a really important, that word through. Uh, there is a vehicle that God is using as we do have a responsibility. So yes, God's sovereignty, he makes alive. And yes, man's responsibility, we do respond with that breath that comes out with faith. And man, I'm telling you, the best illustrate I can give you is CPR moment as God is now taking a lifeless body and he is pumping into the spiritual and he breathes in and all of a sudden the first breath breathed goes like this. And there is faith and there is belief and there is hope and there is walking with him and there is a what have I been doing and I'm woken up and I get it now and that's a response he is made alive. And yes, we have responsibility. We have faith. And it is amazing to see God do this work in our lives that we do not deserve. He says, and this is not your own doing. Everybody say, no kidding. Right? Like, man, if we truly grasp the depth of salvation, it is so not us. It is so him on display. And all of God's people said, 
Man, that is huge. And uh, he says, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. And, uh, and how many are in here today? Be real now, really listen to me. How many of you are here today where you're like, no, I think I'm good with Christ because of my action, because of my works, because of what I'm doing. I'm trying to weigh the scale, and it seems like more good than bad right now in my life. I think I'm good. Is that what you're trying to do in your walk with him? Let's put it in light of this passage. Prior to him making you alive and you believing and having faith and him doing a work in you, you are walking dead. Those works mean nothing. You're like, wow, dude, that's harsh. I've been really trying hard. And I appreciate that. But I'm telling you, set those works down and start turning to your worship of your God. The works we'll talk about in just a second. Works do not save us, and they do not keep us saved. Works are not what it's all about. Everybody say, it's not about works. It's just not. It says here, through faith. God makes alive, you have faith, and that is salvation deployed into your soul. God makes alive and you have faith. God is sovereign and man has responsibility. And those two come together. And God's making alive and you have faith and there is salvation. And the, I won't listen to him, but I'm going to be nice to other people, does not get it done. That's not saved. That's really clear. We're being super transparent to what the scripture says. Man, do not try to get there on your own behalf. It will never, ever work. Allow it to be all about his glory at work in your life. That's saved. And uh, You know, VBS was... Uh, this past couple weeks, and I uh, love being able to do that each year, and my wife and I joined together with a great team of people, and we end up serving volunteers food ahead of time, so like from 4.30 to about 6.30, we're serving food to all the volunteers and families as they're rolling in and getting things set up, and love being able to meet each of you that's serving in the volunteer community, and uh, so getting up there to that front part is nice, and being able to meet each of you that uh, each day. And, uh, you know, at the end of one of those nights, it was actually the first night, uh, I was walking through the hallway and just checking on some things after that, and uh, somebody pulled me aside, and uh, Sarah actually came up and said, hey, um, this little boy was just getting out of the teaching time, and he wants to accept Christ. And, uh, but we're supposed to have two people together with us at all times, so would you like to sit down with us? And so I actually was able to sit down with them, and we walked back through the gospel message. And his statement was something along the lines of, I just want to get saved. I want to do this. And uh, do you understand that we all need a Savior? We're sinners. We're not perfect. He's like, yeah, I get that. 
So you understand you're not perfect. Yeah, I get that. You understand there's a cost for that that means we're separated. I get that. Do you understand that Jesus Christ is our hope? I get that. I want to be saved. Like, it doesn't get much clearer than that, right? And so we're able to actually sit down with them and walk through. I said, we just, right now it means believing that Jesus is risen from the dead. Do you believe that? Yeah. And saying, you can be in charge in my life. I confess you as Lord. Man, that's faith. And he's like, I I do, I am, I'm in with that. And I'm like, how about if we just let him know? And he's like, oh. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, I'm not sure what to say. I said, well, what if I were to say some words and you could just repeat after me? And if you ever don't understand what I'm saying, just go, whoa, stop, I don't get that. And we just talk it out. He's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Right? And so I just walked it through real carefully. And, you know, as far as we know, right, it's between him and God, but he accepted Christ right then and there. And that was actually, as far as we know, the first kid that accepted Christ for VBS this year. Man, I'm telling you, walking dead and God makes alive. And the first breath breathed is, I want to do this. I want to believe. I want to worship him. I want to give faith to him. I'm telling you, there is an expression back right away, inclined towards him. It is amazing to watch that happen as God does a work in our lives. And all of God's people said, amen. That is huge. And uh, y'all can pray for me because if my voice makes it three services doing this, I don't know. But uh, I am pumped on this passage. So, uh, hey, this past week was actually a huge week in uh, the Harkness home. It was actually a huge week in the Holt home as well. And uh, so let's just throw a pick up here. And um, so, uh, yeah. Amen to that. So uh, that is Megan Harkness and that is Mac Holt. So the worship pastor's son is... Marrying the senior pastor's daughter, dude, we take unity seriously around here, <laughs> right? right? Awesome. So uh, just a sweet time on Friday as they got together and Max surprised her and uh, they ended up doing a few photos there and uh, so they're getting married sometime in this next year and a lot going on as Megan has been healing up from the knee and all the rest and just amazing to see what God's doing. They are engaged and... Uh, This is a big deal, man. Just so you understand, that's a lot like you and me with Christ right now. Did you know that? We are engaged. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, you are in that betrothal period. And there is a wedding coming. There is this massive processional coming where we as the church will be handed over as the bride of Christ. All of us that believe, handed over to Christ, the king, the prince. He is the groom. And I'm telling you, there is going to be this un hooked wedding celebration going on. It is going to be stunning. There is actually a marriage feast right before it. It's going to be this huge celebration taking place as God Almighty is glorified. And each and every one of us who believes in Jesus Christ will be a part of that processional. Dude, I have no idea what that's going to look like. Scripture is not clear on that. But use your mind's eye for a moment and imagine the bride coming down with the father and there's a handing over to the groom and this is a massive processional of by the millions, hundreds of millions or billions of souls rallied together as the church, handing over to Christ for him to reign and rule for all eternity. That is salvation, man. 
we have been brought from dead all about myself. To wait, I'm breathing, I get it, I'm in. And we are now in this engagement period where there is times where we're learning and we're shaping and we're adjusting and we're growing towards him and he's changing us step by step and he is going to present us across as the great bride of Christ with a massive euphoric celebration where the angels will unleash the cheer and the praise. Remember at the end of a wedding, the recessional out and everybody's like applauding for him and clapping as they go. Dude, that will be the beginning of eternity. And who knows what it's like from then, right? Man, I'm telling you, long for it. Amen. Long for life. Life with him. And do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trusting him as king? Man, if you have not locked in and trusted Christ, make today the day where you breathe life for the first time. You believe that he is risen from the dead. You confess, you're in charge of my life, take over. You've got it, God. I am putting a stake in the ground right here, right now. You have me. And just hand your life over to him. And if you already have trusted Christ as Savior, then don't forget where you've come from. And don't forget the work he has done and long for God to be glorified on each day, hear me, of your engagement. You are his and you're heading for the glorious wedding day. And all of God's people said, amen. All right. Third, live thankfully as you serve him. Live thankfully as you serve him. It says, for we are his workmanship, verse 10. Literally, we are his artwork. You are his great handiwork. You. Let that settle. The believing collection church are his handiwork, his glory on display in this world for all the rest of the world to see. We are his workmanship. It says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say for. Not created by good works, for good works. You were not doing good works to be saved. You do not continue doing works to remain saved. The good works is simply the place he's put you in now as engaged to him and heading for eternity with him as a thank you offering back to him, simply saying, I love you and and I'm with you and I'm ready to worship you with all I've got. And live thankfully and worshipfully for Jesus Christ with good works. How could we ever go all the way back and start living out the sin and the trespasses knowing this? Right? When we do that, we have clearly dismissed away these 
historical facts. We've dismissed away the salvation fact in my life. We've dismissed away the greatness of God, and we've started to let the flesh pang too loudly in our soul. Time to be done with the sin and the trespasses, with celebrating what we used to be. Time to celebrate who we are and where we're headed. Time for us to literally put the worship into play with all we've got. Live thankfully. Now that's a plan. The good works do not save. Everybody say they don't save. And the good works do not keep the salvation. Everybody say they don't keep it. But they are the plan of what we're about as a thank you worship offering to him. It's a celebration to our God for all that he has done. Are you in? Are you willing to thank him and praise him with all you've got? And uh, it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you know that? Like, before the beginning of the world, God had it all in, in hand and understood, and he was preparing out even the works that you could be a part of as a thank you offering back to him. He's designing out exactly where you could be so that you can be growing with him, and he can be pouring in, and you can be with laughter and joy, celebrating those around you and showing them the greatness of what God has done in your life. Are you in to live thankfully and passionately and purposefully for your God. Man, if you have moved from death to life, live it with a celebration. And please hear me now. If you have not moved from death to life, don't worry about the works. Don't get that, that thing as your first. Set that down. Make it about who is this God and should you be responding to him and in faith hearing from him. It's too easy to put works ahead of and all of a sudden you're doing good things and you think maybe that's enough. And man, if you are not saved, don't sweat the works. Get saved. Believe that he is risen. Confess him as your Lord. That's saved. The works come as a thank you offering after. All right? Huge. So simple question, are you in? Are you willing to worship and celebrate him with all you've got? And uh, here's the deal, man. I'm gonna ask the ushers to uh, come forward and uh, they're gonna hand out some cards and we're gonna have every single person take a card, all right? Who's taking a card? So every single person is taking a card the ushers are going to be coming down, and they're going to be passing these down the row. It says on the top, I want to serve. And so you're like, some of you might be like, I'm already serving. We made a box for you, okay? And so the first box on the top says, I'm already actively serving. And you can check that box and put where you're serving. That's it. Your worship there is simply to say, I'm in a place where God has put me. I'm serving actively here. I'm great. And so what are you doing within the church walls here? What are you serving? And just check that first box, put it down. You're done, Okay? But if you aren't serving and you are wanting to take that step forward, we want to help you do that. We want to get you placed in a spot where your worship can be on fire and Jesus Christ can be glorified. Please hear me. This is all about making much of Christ. 
And all of God's people said, man, this is all about making much of Christ. This is to be celebrating him. And so here's my simple question. Do you want to trust, take that step out, and live thankfully for him? We want to help you do that. We want to get you placed in something here where you can be serving. So there are three boxes on the top. First is I am actively serving. All right? If you're already serving somewhere, great. Just check that box, put where, and you can put your name on the bottom and you're done. The next one, I'm willing to serve anywhere. If you're like, seriously, you place me, I'm good. Go ahead and check that box. We'll get you placed. All right? Or maybe you're like, no, I'm interested in serving, but I... I've got a couple thoughts about where it would be best for me. Great, then that's what all these other boxes in the shaded area below are. So you can check that third box there. I'm interested to begin serving, and then tell us what areas you're interested in. And we're going to take a look at it. Here's what we're doing, okay? As a church, everybody say, as a church. That's weak, man. Everybody say, as a church. We are going to go forward worshiping our God, and we would love to help place you where God's pressing in for. And man, if this is a time to be serving, then let's get you there. And maybe this is a time to just be healing and you should just not be doing it. Then that's great. Then don't do that. Then just go ahead and leave the card blank if you feel like that's appropriate right now. But if it's time for you to step up and jump in and serve here in the church walls, you can see all the different types of ministries we have available down there below. Just check either that I'm willing to serve anywhere or I'm willing to serve into some specific places and then check those specific places. Everybody got that? I know you're not listening to me right now. There's three boxes on the top. Check one of the three. If you check the third one, then go ahead and do the stuff below it, all right? And this week, we will try to get after this and get these things understood. Give us a week or two to try to get to you uh, to be a little bit patient. So here's what we're gonna do. Take a worship moment right now And I'm going to lead it off with prayers of thank you. And then just take a little bit reflecting on this card to figure out how you want to fill it out if that's appropriate for you, all right? Let me just start here.